Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode number 142 of the Get Around Podcast. As always, in the host chair, my name is Jake Atnip. Back from vacation, the one, the only, as Peter Garthy calls him, James Hot Cook. I don't know why he does that. I, I laughed really hard in the subject line when I saw that he, again today. He gives everybody weird nicknames. And then, of course, Andrew Rosenthal here joining us as well. I don't think we've given him a nickname yet, have we? Rosie? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I've always Everybody been called you Rosie. Rosie. Yeah, no. Yeah. I don't think Peter's given me one either. No, it'll be a matter of time. It'll, it'll something will happen. He used to call Mark Urban Big Butt. Big Butt? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And what, Lance Lance Korea was Chop Chop? Chop Chop. I wonder. I'll have to ask him what what, what his nickname is for me. Get out of the office. I'll have to ask him because, I mean, usually he usually just says he usually just addresses me full name, Jake Atnip. Even when I see him, I, how you doing, Jake Atnip? Yeah, he never used the nickname when he meets you in person. It's <laughs> well, of course just, not. It's always just full name. It, it's never. But it's, it's, I've, I've never even emails. seen it. I've never even seen it in the email line. It's usually just addressed to the three amigos or like has my name yeah. directly in the in the in the line. Because it's funny. There's sometimes where it'll literally say like, oh yeah, like this, 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 and then there's like a whole like. 27 things all of a sudden they're just like oh yeah jake Adam. i'm just like okay <laughs> but shout out peter i know it's been rough on him but i saw him at uh, the st francis game i'm sure he did i'm sure he did i saw him after uh saw him after the patriot game or the celebrate service game last week which were it's, obviously it's, it's spelled celebrate service but pronounced patriot game basically yeah much I'm like keep, this year's tower i'm gonna keep calling it patriot game well, it was just this year's edition of it anyways. It's not like it, it's changing for the future. It's going to be the Patriot yeah. game in the future. It's just yeah. what they decided to do for this year. We talked about that last week, but we're going to talk about that game in this episode. Obviously, a big win for Traverse City Central. We'll dive more into that later. We're going to talk about all of the first week football happenings. Well, I guess not all of them, but we're going to do some quick hits on some teams that made an impression in week one. We're going to let you know who we think those are. We're going to talk a little bit about soccer in the pulse before we get into our interview with Traverse City Central's Ryan Royston, running back, quarterback, man of many trades over there for the Traverse City Central Trojans. So I'm excited to talk to him and see what it was like playing in that Celebrate Service game. Then we're going to go ahead and get into our chatter that matters, which Andrew has some pretty interesting news, and James has some thoughts that we have kind of gone over over the weekend. And uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna. I, I got told that my opinion was garbage. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna say somebody that. who I'm pretty sure never read the article and just looked at the headline. I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> I thought it was just a gift that you said your opinion is trash. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty good. We're, we're gonna talk more about that later in the chatter that matters. So if you want to hear why everybody hates James and Andrew right now, <laughs> stick around. I hate them all the time, but that's I, a different story. I hate story. myself sometimes too. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes I'm with the commenters and be like, that guy sucks too. Now, just one more thing. I just want to make sure we talk, uh, we we're gonna get into the Hall of Fame and then our trifecta, which is gonna be related to football and injuries and fantasy. So, if you're in our fantasy leagues or you're interested in talking about that, we're gonna talk about some of the biggest injuries in the NFL at the end of this episode. This episode is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. Let's go ahead, put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world, and get into the pulse, gentlemen. You were back for football for Friday. You weren't gone all week, so you got to see some stuff. You got to see all the scores, all the stats from football. We have to talk about football. First off in this episode, it's back. We actually got to cover some games. We got plenty of stats and scores and yeah. great performances, too. Like Me likey football. Me like football. Me want more. Me want more. But uh, where should we start? I, I think we have to start at the game that we obviously hyped up a lot last year or last week and every year, but the Traverse City West, Traverse City Central game. We, yeah, we got to talk about the the game between the two Patriot Traverse game, City Celebrate schools. Service game. The game between the two Traverse City schools. There's three though. The, the Traverse oh. City National Championship. There's four game. technically. Yeah. yeah, there's four schools with Traverse City before their name. I just love how Patty Tabaldi used to be the athletic director at West before Jason Carmine, and she hated the Traverse City Central Traverse City West game in a way. Because it was just like so big and like that, so she referred to it as the national championship game because of how much publicity and everybody, how how everybody was into it. Well, I mean, everybody was into it again last week. I was excited. I went out to both practices. We talked about it on this podcast. I got a little bit more info before it was that on TV. Yeah, before that game to kind of like get ready for the football season. And you know, we we talked on this podcast over the last couple of weeks. You know, even I think a few weeks ago when we when you came in for camp. And you guys talked about camp for the first time when you were out there. I mean, these teams looked 100% different than what they looked like during camp. You know, you had Brandon Konchek, a quarterback for Traverse City West, 
Josh Burnham starting a quarterback for Traverse City Central. I mean, we kind of had an idea of that, but we still were not sure exactly how were they going to use him. We didn't know how he would translate over to quarterback with his arm. You know, we know that he took snaps there last year, and we heard that he had, like, the, the skills, the acumen or whatever. Both these teams came in with new quarterbacks, and we talked about that a little bit last week. Josh Burnham just, like, absolutely tore it apart. We know, we, we've talked about how good of an athlete this kid is, and we know he's getting recruited for Division One for a reason. But after watching the game against West on Friday and being here for a few years and seeing, especially from Traverse City Central, you know, seeing Tobin Schwanicky, um, who was, you know, highly touted, was a really high-skilled guy who made other people on the field look, you know, kind of silly sometimes. Man, I mean, it, it's better, I, I think I would say that, you know, Tobin Schwanicky was probably the best quarterback from the area that I've seen, you know, in the last couple of years that I've been up here. Mm-hmm. Josh Burnham mm-hmm. was making throws in that game on Friday that, I haven't seen any high school quarterback make probably ever in my five years of covering high school sports. I don't know that I've ever seen a high school quarterback make. So it wasn't like every single throw was like this, Mm -hmm. but there were several throws that I was just like completely taken aback by. I wonder if West was too. Oh, they were. I wonder if they just didn't, if they expected him to be more of a wildcat option type quarterback because he's big, powerful kid and didn't know that he, threw that well i'm not sure that many people really knew he threw that well i wonder if he's going to reopen his recruiting even though he hasn't committed yet and say who wants me as a quarterback now i i i obviously feel like it would take it would take a lot more you know work with just he's gonna have two years of decision two years of tape as a quarterback now i know it's gonna be done that tape's just gonna show exactly how much of a freak athlete he really is in the first half of that football game he had well really first quarter he started off on the second drive or third drive of the tra- for Traverse City Central from like 18 yards out, takes a read option off the six hole to the right-hand side, runs through the linebacker, and then the safety comes up to try to get him, or the cornerback comes up to try to get him, straight stiff arm, plowed to the ground, touchdown. Two drives later, he comes back and he gets put out wide on like the eight-yard line, and Ryan Royston, who we're going to have on the podcast, you'll hear from him later, throws the perfect dime to the corner of the end zone for him just to go up and over. I think it was Patrick O'Connor. Like literally just to Say, you know, it's, it's, it's like what you, they used to do with Randy Moss or Terrell Owens. You know, just mm-hmm. toss it, throw it to Kelvin. Just throw it high in the throw air. Yeah. He's going to be the guy who can jump the highest and catch the ball. He was able to, like, literally do exactly that. That's what Glenn Lake did with Finn Hogan. And then four, and then four, then four passing touchdowns in the second quarter alone, two of, them, two of which were such good dimes that I don't think there's a defense in the state of Michigan that would have stopped him. Jake, is there anything Josh you think can't do? No, I'm sure. I mean, he ended up punting the football. Uh, because Tyler uh, Tyler McCoon, their normal punter, ended up getting a Charlie horse that was cramping up a little bit right before like their only punt of the game. So Josh, they originally lined up as like fourth and two. I was really surprised. I was like, there's no way that they're going for this. They were in their own territory up by like 40 points, and I'm like, there's no way that they're going for this. So they lined up, and they called the timeout, and then still because Tyler wasn't ready, they just made Josh punt the ball. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, sure that, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's something that he can't do, but I haven't seen it yet. The, whether, the really crazy part about Friday night's game with him at the very least, we'll talk, I want to talk just a little bit more about the other the teams, obviously, but we saw how good of a defensive player he was. That's what he's been recruited for, right, to be a, like a defensive lineman or a linebacker or something along those lines. He was so dang good on offense on Friday that you barely even paid attention or could barely even tell how good he was on defense. Because you're literally just like, I was waiting for him to get the ball back on offense. And last year, he shined so so much on the defensive line or, you know, on that outside edge position because he didn't, you know, that's when you got to see him make his big plays. He was making big plays on the defensive side, but they didn't even seem like much because the stuff that he was doing on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, you're just like, eh, sack, yeah, whatever. He was throwing Throw out another sacks. touchdown. Yeah, he was throwing out a sacks. You know what I'm saying? He had good football IQ. I think that's what Eric Sugars was really happy with was just like his decision making both on offense and on defense. He's calling the plays on both sides of the ball. Like he's literally calling the entire playbook. So I'm sure he's going to be well prepared for uh, Division One football by the time that comes uh, comes around. But talk, I want to talk about Traverse City Central as a whole. I mean, and I mean we got to talk about Traverse City West a little bit. But Traverse City Central as a whole is dangerous. Hmm. I was at the St. Francis game on Saturday after the game. I was talking to Josh Sellers, and we only talked about his game for like about a minute because you know he didn't want to talk all that yeah, much we'll, about we'll it. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that game here in a minute as but, well. And then he just started talking about TC Central. He was just raving and going on about him. You know, man, Central is just awesome. They're amazing. When I watched that football game on Friday, the first two and a half minutes looked like it could have been a sloppy football game that I kind of expected out of Week One. I mean, like the first drive to Central, like Burnham, I think Burnham fumbled the first snap that he ever took in high school. You know, got a shotgun snap and it got fumbled first snap. It might have been the second mm-hmm. one, 
but you sat there and you're like, oh man, this is what it might look like today. You know, you know how Central runs their, you know, their jet options or their jet sweeps where they do, you know, they do quick handoffs or whatever. Yeah. Two, three fakes, two, three reads. I thought it was going to be nice and sloppy. Not, not that it wasn't. And, I mean, Traverse City Central, I think, fumbled the ball four or five times. They just got lucky enough that they only lost it once. But on the snaps alone, Josh Burnham had to fall on at least four or five footballs. But once they started rolling, it was like fired on all cylinders. I mean, Carson Hall, we talked about that receiving core. Carson Hall, uh, Dante Williams. I mean, Dante Williams just burned a couple kids on Friday night. The one, the one, one of the throws that Burnham made split Christian Boivin and the, I believe it was Mason Morris in the cornerback. They were coming across the middle. Dante Williams ran a skinny post from the slot. The cornerback was following on his front end, and Boivin was coming from uh, the, the top end. Split the defenders and laid it right in the basket for Dante Williams behind the two defenders. Beautiful. Dante's Inferno. He burned them. <laughs> <laughs> that receiving core that they got, though, man. Hall and they, they, you know, and they can, like you said, they can split out. They can split it, burn them out there. Yeah, and no, and got I mean Hall, Burnham, and Bordeaux, Bordeaux, Williams. There, there was, that's a, that's I mean, McCoon's deep... playing. McCoon's playing tight end. Yeah, he, yeah, he did last season. Um, he's a good, I, solid he, tight end too. He's, yeah, he's still running routes at tight end. Yeah, um, he's a big target too. You're you're gonna see a lot of points out of these guys. We talked about how fast they are. I mean, Carson mm-hmm. Hall on defense alone, he had two or two, two or three. It was I think it was two interceptions. Yeah, Carson Hall had two interceptions on defense, just being in the right place. Literally picking them out of the sky, coming across the field and just yanking them. You know, defensively they they held West completely down. I mean, West changed changed their offense, which Greg did a great job of not tipping us off on over the last few weeks. He did a great job of not tipping off Eric Sugars even. Uh, you know, Eric told me that he was like until. What kind of offense was it? Because when I talked to him, he wouldn't say what their offense was going to be. When oh, I, I mean, he still he still he still ran some some you know wing T. Mm-hmm. Oh, but Konchek was taking shotgun snaps. With two 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 running backs on either side of him, or just or, or with Boivin or like Boivin, a shotgun T. Not, but not even it was there was even just a shotgun was spread where okay. where Boivin would start by lining up behind Konchek, and then Konchek would tell him which side. And then it would just be a one back split where uh, Boivin would be blocking and Konchek would be looking at four receivers downfield. Okay, like a pistol. Yeah, but it was shotgun. It was five yards. It wasn't yeah, pistol. Well, pistol's shotgun. Right? Well, no, pistol's two and a half yards. Pistols in between the two, yeah. shotguns five yards. But no, it just it, it's a, it's a, it's almost like a, it's almost like a shotgun and one that they run. Where there, there's times that Boyvin would start in the back, you know, go left, go right, or even stay right behind the quarterback when the quarterback was still five yards. That night might have to do with working in new systems, seeing if it'd be if it'd be pistol or not. Anyways, so uh, Konchek, on the other hand, is going to need some work. Konchek is going to get better with age. He's only I mean he's a junior. He's going to have a couple years. But this offense has never been ran at Traverse City West. I mean, in the last few years with Greg Vaughn, I know I don't think War ever really ran any type of. I, I know he no, doesn't he ran, run. He ran like a wing T with the same some thing. spread elements. But this this type of offense hasn't been ran at Traverse City West before, yeah. and I'm excited to see where they go. It's good, it, and Greg Vaughn knows it. There's growing pains. And it's before be that, like that was Matt Prisk, and he was kind of mostly like kind of power eye. I mean, power run the football. Yeah. Hey, he said that they're looking to make sure that they're not one dimensional any longer. That they're going to be able to pass the football and run the football at the same time. I'm excited to see where that's, it goes. That's what you got to do because, I mean, that's what they're going to have to be able to do to do anything in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. And you're not, you're not going to go into Rockford and beat them with a wing tee. Now, let's talk about the other Traverse City School, Traverse City St. Francis. You were there on Saturday. I know you said Josh Sellers didn't have too much to say about it, but it was a rather uneventful game after the first play. Yeah, Owen Mueller started, started off almost like you said. The, the, the first opening kickoff, he let it bounce in front of him instead of moving up to get it, and it bounced, and he had to go chase it down, and then – Took it 94 yards for a touchdown. And then St. Francis never scored again after that. Sault Ste. Marie, man, the Northern Michigan Football Conference, they better look out for Sault Ste. Marie because that team looks tough. Yeah. They got a they got a nice quarterback who can who can run the ball. They only threw the ball like six times, but when he threw the ball, they looked look like he knew what he was doing. They had uh, you know, one pretty good receiver that had all their catches. And then they have a workhorse running back. I mean, they gave him the ball twenty I can't remember, it was 25, 28 times in the game. I think you said 25 in your story. Yeah, for like 160-something, which that doesn't happen against St. Francis. Yeah. I mean, their defense, they're usually packing the box and daring you to try to throw the ball. So, I mean, Sault Ste. Marie looks pretty legit. I mean, they were really fired up after the game. Uh, It was interesting because I interviewed the quarterback from Sault Ste. Marie after the game real quick, and he thought that uh, St. Francis is a Class A team. Oh, really? Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to get a lot of playoff points out of this for beating a Class A team. 
I know that they I know that they have a certain reputation throughout the state, so I wouldn't be surprised if those kids from north of the bridge weren't quite sure. But hey, Dark they, Horse, you're saying you're saying Susan might the be Dark Horse. Played, Susan played them since like 1981. 1981. Yeah. I remember when I did the the capsules. I was like, wow, it's been a long time. But mm-hmm. you're saying that Sue the Sue might be a Dark Horse. They looked they looked pretty legit. I mean, that defense was really good. St. Francis moved moved the ball and and did some did a lot of the right things on offense. Sue St. Marie's defense was just legit. St. Francis will be better. They were missing their two huge offensive mm-hmm. tackles. Um, you know, 290 and 275 pound tackles who are both not only big but good on top of that. So when they get those back, which should be for this week, um, they'll be a whole different team, I think. But still, Sue was pretty impressive. Charlie Peterson was pretty good at quarterback for, for St. Francis, you know, and they opened up the playbook and threw the ball a lot more. Had two costly interceptions, but overall look like you know they'll be able to diversify their game a bit and uh, have a have a good offense throughout the season looks like we'll have some new look offenses in traverse city i know we had some new look teams in general you know over the last couple of uh weeks we talked about these guys on the podcast last week and how we've lost them but i want to go through some other football quick hits to your gentlemen uh kind of knock off a few of these other games and just kind of like report on these i know cadillac beat alpina 27 to 0 they lost the guys like tip baker and stuff like that but they are 1-0 in the BNC and sit there with now Petoskey beat Gaylord and then Traverse City Central. So those are the three teams that won in week number one of the Big North Conference. I want to ask you guys, I think so. I think I think it's clear-cut. Traverse City Central has to go back-to-back in the BNC. I, you guys haven't seen anybody yeah. else, but I'm just telling you, I think it's clear-cut. With the way that I saw their team run, they're back-to-back in the BNC almost no doubt. I, I, I think so, too. I think, And I think maybe your number two team now might be Cadillac. They've got that program. The coach has been there for a while now, and I think you see those programs where the coach has been there for three, four, five years that things really start clicking at that point, and they get the players that they want. They have the, the youth program going, and the players are coming up knowing the playbook already mm-hmm. because they're running in the youth program. Yep. That kind of thing. So you just get kind of a snowball effect after a coach has been there for a while, and Cody Mallory's been there for a while. So um, hopefully that's paying off for Cadillac. Yeah, another one I want to talk about, Kingsley destroying Sheboygan 30-0, Andrew. I know you talked to Coach War after that game. How excited was he about the new-look uh, Stags after losing some of those speedy guys in the backfield? Well, they won 46-0. Oh, that's right. It was 30 nothing at the half. And, uh, yeah, they looked pretty good. They had 290 yards on the ground. Owen Graves, he had a pretty good game. Um, two rushers on 91 yards. He uh, he also caught a 56-yard touchdown pass. Owen Graves is going to be ha- gonna have to be that guy to step in for Aiden Mullen from last year. I mean, he, he, he played mm-hmm. safety for them last year. We know he's a, he's fast. We've seen him play baseball. We've seen him other sports. Mm-hmm. He has to be that guy this year for them, though. I, I think he's that. That's going to be the, the role for him. Um, I don't know who can exactly be Aiden Mullen, but that's what you know they're going to kind of ask of him. Him and you know Will Wims is going to be the other guy in the backfield. And uh, Jaden Inthazone, I think, is the third kind of cog in that, inf- that rotation of their wing yeah. T offense that they have. In his own, also had a decent game on uh, defense. He uh, recovered the ball for his safety, and their special teams blocked a punt. So, yeah, all three phases of the game showed up for the Stags. Yeah, I think I think they're one of our teams that's maybe the best bet for a, you know a trip to wherever the finals are this yeah, year. Yeah, I said the same thing. They were they were the ones who I kind of put my money on. Uh, I, the question I just had: yes or no? Do we think they're as good as last year? Twelve and one. I think yes, because I think people are going to look at their team and see them that they that they lost. Tyler in the zone and Aiden Mullen and Payson Caballero and think, oh, well, they lost. Those are their name players. They mm-hmm. lost all that. And it's like, well, no, they have everybody else back. Mm-hmm. Everybody else. The entire line is back. The, pretty much the entire defense is back. They added Brett Peterson from Glen Lake. Um, I mean, they are going to be like a legit team. They're going to have a lot of lopsided games this year. Speaking of legit teams, Sutton's Bay coming out. Winning thirty-five to zero in week number one after going to the state finals last year, I know we 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 know that they lost some big pieces too, but they reloaded just as it seems like just as quickly as they uh, took a rise to the top last year. Yeah, I mean they look they look pretty good. Um, they've got they're getting production from a lot of different players too. And so they've got another Opie right. playing for them now. So you know they're reloading there, and uh, they look like a team that could be right there in the. Uh, in the eight-player things, Gaylord St. Mary's another one. They I saw they yeah, they, dropped, they came out pretty impressive. Well, they dropped another fifty-seven points. Fifty-seven points, and and again, a lot of guys scoring touchdowns. 
we're talking about eight man i thought uh cole spencer had a really nice game for Misik. as a team they had like four passing touchdowns and he caught all four of them uh 218 yards receiving and 11 catches Mm -hmm. so those are some fantasy numbers man i want you on my fantasy team with four touchdowns on 218 Mm -hmm. receiving yeah cole spencer is like one of the fastest kids around here like i think he didn't he lead everybody in steals in baseball the last season we had i think he had like 50 some steals or something i know he's up there I'm not sure if he led, but yeah, he's up there. He, yeah, but there's yeah, there, there's one more team I want to bring up in our quick hits here, and that's Charlevoix. We talked about them last year. They made their they won their first ever playoff game last year, right? They made it back there for like the sixth time in school history. I you know I went out there and had a chance to talk to them before this season. Uh, Charlevoix came out and completely smacked Frankfurt 58 to 14. They had that three-headed monster at running back last year. They put some new kids in there this year, and every single one of them scored a touchdown on Friday against Frankfurt. We know we know Frankfurt's been a bit down, but coming out fifty-eight points for Charlevoix in the first game of the season, I think that that really, really shows us that they are back just like they were last year. Yeah, I mean they lost some of their name players from last year too, um, but they've got some really good kids coming back. Um, the one that really stands out to me is Luke Stuck. I mean, just a, you know, Luke Stuck's just not only a very physically talented player, but just a very smart player as well. And the other team I guess that I want to touch on too is Glen Lake, who looked really good against Boyne City. Boyne City looked like a very capable team in that game. And Glen Lake's defense was just outstanding. And their offense has big play capability. They've got Jacob Pleva, who is just a bowling ball at running back. And, I mean, he takes his football helmet off, and he looks like he's about 30 years old. He's an ox. Yeah. He's an ox. Yeah. I've seen pictures. That 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 kid is an ox, mm-hmm. and that is in no that is not, that is in any no bad way. I we're talking that is yeah. I would I would not want to have him lower in your shoulder coming through the a gap when you're a linebacker. Yeah, I don't want to tackle him. Yeah. <laughs> now uh, there's a couple more. We I did want to bring up soccer just a little bit on this podcast before we get into our interview with Ryan Royston. Just a couple things. One thing I wanted to mention was I was just shocked by this last week. I wanted to bring it up. We talked a bit about Buckley on this podcast. Buckley soccer. They got up to 9-0 and last week before they finally lost their first game to North Bay. Um, nonetheless, I was, I was a little bit surprised by it, but when, when I read the game and I, you know, I, I talked to some people, and I talked to Doug Perriard about it, uh, he, he told me he was so excited about it. He was like, they were such a good team. We, we really just had to like attack on top of them. I was just surprised that North Bay was the one to do it after all of the quality teams like Glen Lake and such that they've already beat this year. Yeah, I, was a little, I mean, you know, we haven't heard a whole lot from North Bay this year. Um, so maybe they're one of those teams that uh, is going to be stepping up here as the season goes on. Now, just one more one more soccer thing to bring up was the Traverse City Central Traverse City West game that we previewed on this podcast last week, uh, just a, just a bit. And I just wanted to you know kind of report back on what we thought um, the difference between Traverse City Central Traverse City West. We thought it was going to be you know pretty close. It ended up actually being more lopsided than it has been in previous years. And uh, I mean Traverse City West, I. They have three or four guys at the front of that team that are going to score goals on a regular basis. And we've talked about Finn Durbin before. Man, from the, I think he had like a – it was like 43 yards or 43 feet or whatever. Uh, laser beam to the top um, top of the goal to score the first goal of the game, like two and a half minutes into that game. And like literally, what a leg on that kid. Uh, That's why he's a kicker for the football team, too. (laughs) But this was just a laser beam. I mean, Gavin Michael had an awesome volley, like spinning volley kick that was a goal. Um, Just Traverse City Central just – they they were able to get possession. They were able to do it here and there, but they could never string things together. They Mm -hmm. they could never get four passes in a row to get the ball advanced into the the Titans' end. Mm -hmm. You know, so the Titans are a step above the Trojans uh, this year after watching them uh, together on Wednesday last week. Yeah, if I'm a forward for an opposing team and you you break away and the one player between you and the goal is Finn Durbin, <laughs> you'd almost you'd look at him and almost go the other way because I mean he he, he looks like a linebacker. Yeah, I was about to say he is the ox on the soccer field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Basically. he looks like a linebacker. He looks like you know he's like the James Harrison <laughs> of the TC West soccer team. Looks like he was just gonna plant you into the ground or something. Sounds about right. I forget. That sounds about right. Something where we started talking about soccer and oh yeah, Finn Durbin. 
you were you guys thought that like oh yeah you think that Traverse City West is going to be a consistent team where they're having a couple guys score eight goals each game they've already done it really they're they're like in mid-season form and they're like this isn't like one of the first times we're hearing about this with them this season like it, they're rolling yeah it's just that we don't we don't get to see them very often against bigger division schools up here that's just the only thing who we normally see them against up here are, are the people like Elk Rapids or good teams by no means is it a slight to, to them, you know, Leland, Elk Rapids, anything like that, but just getting to see them play a Division One school and still dominate was, was very nice. Now, let's go ahead and give a listen to our interview with Traverse City Central's Ryan Royston, who joined us after defeating the Titans 53-13 in the Celebrate Service game last week. Let's go ahead and give a listen to that now. The Get Around Podcast is excited to welcome in Traverse City Central senior football player Ryan Royston. Thank you so much for joining us on your first day back to school and practice in such a long time. Yeah, hey guys, how you doing? I'm sure uh, today was long. We're going to get started with our Freaky Fast Five. I have to ask you, this is what was your favorite part about being back at school after probably what seems like forever in a year? Um, it, it's definitely the, the connection with uh, with other students. You know, you, you kind of don't think about how much you you love being around other people other other kids your age i definitely took it for granted before uh we had to go into quarantine and online school so that was definitely the best part about being back what's the best pizza in traverse city the best pizza in traverse city i've, I've probably got to go with paisanos it's uh definitely a lunchtime favorite for, for us central kids and it's it's just so good yeah you guys always do your football your playoff uh viewing party there don't you um that's pgos we pgos yeah yep. okay this is one of my favorite questions to ask which is uh if you could get rid of any one state in the united states which one would it be and why you know my, my gut says ohio just because that, that's like the most that's the most common answer to this question well yeah i mean uh, growing up as a michigan fan i think i've seen uh michigan beat ohio state once with uh, Denard, years, years ago. I was probably 12 or 13 at the time. Uh, I just do not like that state at all. <laughs> I, I have an existential question for you, Ryan. Does a straw have one hole or two? I guess it has one, like, continuous hole. One long hole. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a brain twister. I think we got one more. James, you got a fun one? If you could only choose to play one song every time you walked into a room for the rest of your life, what would it be? I don't know. I, I'd probably say my favorite song is, is a Travis Tritt song. I'm a big country fan, so probably it's a great day to be alive. It's a great attitude to, to walk into any room, I think. Okay. Every, every time that you see Ryan Royce and you're reminded it's a great day to be alive. I like that. Okay, that was the Freaky Fast Five presented by our sponsors at Jimmy John's. Let's go ahead and dive into the rest of our interview with Ryan. You guys, I know last week was a big week of preparation, just a big week in general. You actually got to get back on the football field. You actually got a chance to play again, not only that, but against your crosstown rivals and in, you know, one of the biggest conference games of the year. How did it feel coming out 53-13 to in the most lopsided victory ever in the rivalry's history? Obviously, it, it felt great. The win felt uh, amazing. But um, what felt the best is just being back on the football field. Uh, I mean, three weeks ago three and a half weeks ago we were at home and and we weren't playing we weren't doing anything so it just it just felt awesome to get out there with my football family my brothers and just and and have such a, a great win and especially against our crosstown rivals like you said i mean getting under those friday nights alone has to be a special feeling especially in your senior year emotionally wise what were you feeling when you kind of came out on the field uh last friday night i know it's been a it's been a bit different than uh previous years I, uh, I definitely got extremely emotional because it, it hit me that, uh, you know, this is this is the beginning of the end for me, and especially with a, a shortened season. It's crazy to think that, you know, I've got five regular regular season games left and then on to the playoffs. But, you know, one of our one of our uh, coaches calls us uh, a dying breed of seniors. You know, as, as time goes along, we uh, we lose games or we lose games off of our uh, off of our life, basically. And. It really hit me. I was even tearing up as we were we were walking onto the field. It was it was extremely emotional for sure. 
how different is it playing a Patriot game? I mean, you played last year as a junior, um, you know, when there's 10,000 people in that stadium. How different was it this year when there was less than 400? It it was weird, and, and, and that's, that's the best way to describe it. Um, you know, it, it felt like it was a JV or a freshman game because of the limited spectators, you know. Uh, definitely a different atmosphere. Once – once we got uh, onto the field, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about it a whole ton, but it definitely threw me and, and a couple of my buddies and, and teammates off for sure. When you guys, you know, plan for the rest of the season, what does a 53-13 to 13 win with a 1-0 and start in the Big North Conference mean? How do you guys look at this win to kind of set up for the rest of your goals? You know, it's, it's a great uh, stepping stone for us. You know, we didn't our, – our goal every, every game, um, every week is, is to play a perfect game. Even though it's it's basically impossible, that's still our goal. That's how we have to approach each and every week. Um, and it was a great stepping stone. You know, we we wish we had some plays back. We made some mistakes. Even though it was such a lopsided victory, we can't we can't uh, think about that too too much. We have uh, bigger goals than just beating our crosstown rivals. Um, we're looking to make deep runs in the, into the playoffs at, at, at Traverse City Central year in year out. And it like I said, it's just uh, an enormous stepping stone for us. Um, you know, we, we enjoyed the win uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday we had film, and, um, you know, now we're looking towards Petoskey. I, I want to talk about the versatility of your guys' offense and the speed in general. I mean, we saw it in that game. You know, you got to have that – I think you were one-for-one one passing with a touchdown, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if you threw the ball any more than that. Uh, but regardless, you know, you, you got that you got that one throw in there. Having you be able to do that, I know Carson's able to play quarterback. Obviously, Josh is there. You guys are all able to kind of like run the ball, go out wide, throw the football. I mean, you got you know, Carson Hall, Tyler McCoon. You got a bunch of weapons there on the offense that seem, you know, after especially after scoring 53 points in week one after only having so much or so little time to kind of get your feet underneath you. Can you kind of just talk about the weapons that you guys have on that offense and how you guys are able to kind of really keep other teams guessing because you have so many different ways to attack? Yeah. Um, you know, if I was a defensive coordinator, I'd, I would be extremely – uh, nervous for to, to play us. We just have so many weapons. Like you said, on the outside, you know, you got D1 athlete and Josh um, and Josh Burnham. And then we have a bunch of speedsters on the outside. But realistically, it all stems from our offensive line. Um, and, you know, they, they never get the, the love and the credit that they deserve. They bust their butts day in, day out. They're in the trenches. And it's extremely important for them to hold, hold us skill guys on their backs. They just the way they hit, the way they play, the, the speed that they play at allows us uh, skill guys to, to be at the level that we are. I know we were just kind of wowed by Josh Burnham's game on the offensive side, but I guess how good of an athlete is he and how much does he contribute to your team? It's it's weird for me because I, I played with him since uh, he was a freshman. He was on JV with us, you know, so I'm almost used to it. You know, it's, it's not a big surprise, some of the plays that he makes. He is the best athlete I've ever seen in person, um, you know, and, and he's an even better person. He's extremely humble, awesome guy to be around and talk to, and he's an awesome friend as well. He's a massive uh, piece, and he plays a massive role in our team. Obviously, football, uh, 11 guys in a team on the field at, at, at one time, but he, he plays a massive role. We, we were saying earlier is, like, we were kind of more impressed with his offensive game than – to the point where you didn't really notice the defensive side and uh, on Friday night were some of the throws that you were, he was making kind of comparable to Patrick Mahomes and that they were just throws you don't see anyone else make. Yeah, his his arm strength is is absurd. Uh, there was one play that uh, it was a rollout to the right and he was getting pressure and he literally just flicked his wrist and 50 yards down the field that went to Carson Hall. Um, that one definitely caught my eye and. It's it's a great comparison to Patrick Mahomes, the mobility, the the speed, the strength. I was I was extremely proud of him, and and the way he played offensively on Friday. Now I want to talk about the future of your guys' season. I know it's uh, it's a bit different this year. You guys only are going to get to play conference opponents. You guys are only going to be doing Except for one. At the end, you guys get Dakota. Yeah. Which uh, that's what I was going to. That's my you, next question. You, you, was going to be Dakota. You, I was, you you broke up my question. I was going to say you guys only get conference opponents all the way until that final game of the season. It's kind of like in reverse fashion than what it normally is, where you get a few non conferences and you get to kind of like play your conference. What what's that reverse like for you? Especially that we know what kind of football team Dakota has been in the past. Um, it's it's definitely uh, uh, a change to to what we're used to, but. Um, 
you know, as, as, as football players and as young men, we're, we're taught to control the controllable and don't worry about uh, what you can't control. And, you know, the, the switch up of our schedule is something that's out of our hands. You know, so we're just going each week, you know, week by week and, and preparing the best that we can. Obviously, you can look down, down our schedule and you see Dakota and you think, wow, it's a good football program. But, you know, we play good football programs every week. Of course. Um, we're, we're, we're fortunate. But obviously, that's a big game at the, at the end of our season. But we just got to take it a uh, week at a time. Yeah, just I would just say more or less, do you think that that – Having like non-conference at the end of the season, when you probably you know you're more you're going to be playing out-of-conference opponents in the playoffs, do you think that might set you up a little bit better than having the same old same old that you can can kind of routinely prepare for off of what you had the year before when you see Petoskey or you see Gaylord there at the end of the season? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, we're we're used to the programs up here, um, and like I said, they're they're great programs: Petoskey, Gaylord, uh, TC West, but. It's 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 a different breed when you go down there. It's a different style of game than what we're what we're used to. And obviously, I I don't know if they are the biggest school in the state, but they're they're one of the biggest I know for sure. And yes, got yes, a, they are the biggest school in the state. Yep, <laughs> they have over they've, a, they've over three thousand kids. Programs. They've got a great football program, and um, you know it's it's it is going to set us up. Uh, you know, at, at the end of the season, theoretically, we're going to be firing at our at our uh, greatest capacity, and, and so are they. So it's, it's going to make for a great football game. Now, if you guys score 53 points in game one with six first-half offensive touchdowns, what does firing on all cylinders look like for the Trojans? You know, that's, that's, a, that's a touchy question because, <laughs> you know, we make, we make mistakes. We made a ton of mistakes in the West game that, that uh, all of us wish we had back. Firing on all cylinders is, is in my mind, us just playing with 100% heart and 100% effort. And, you know, I, I saw – a lot of that Friday, and I was I was very proud of our effort um, each and every play. Um, firing on all cylinders. Hopefully, that's we take a step up each each week. Obviously, we we played pretty fast and pretty well against West, but our, our goal is to uh, just keep heightening our ceiling and and having our uh, you know firing on all cylinders be at a greater extent each and every week. I, we've talked about this offense you know a lot already today, but your defense can't go unlooked or overlooked as well you know shut them out in the first half you know really didn't until the second team you know guys started coming in it didn't start to really you guys were bending but never broke up until you know that first play of the second half what was it two or three interceptions you know in a passing game that you guys weren't prepared for according to your coach and even you know one of your teammates Carson Holt told me you guys until Thursday when the JV team started throwing the ball as much you guys were really like wait a second I thought we were playing you know power run T formation Traverse City West um, how, I mean, how, what about the, you know, ability for your team to adapt helped you guys win that game? Or what, what did you see out of your defense and the ability to adapt uh, into the future? You know, our defense is uh, it's, it's amazing when, when we're playing to our abilities. You know, it, we're massive. I'm the smallest guy in the box at 5'11", and I look up, and we got 6'4", 6'5", 6'4". You know, I seem tiny. But like you said, all week we were we were preparing for power run game, and you know, for Josh and I, it was it was a big contrast. You know, he was still reading the guards and everything, but coming out and they're throwing the ball. We played West since we were you know eight nine years old, and they've never done that before. It was it was extremely important for us to come out and, and adapt like we did. And I'm very proud of our defense and our team for not being phased by a complete contrast in what we were preparing for. And I know you don't want to look forward too much or anything like that, but say after say after six weeks of the season, you guys are six and zero, and you already finished your league game league schedule, and you're Big North champions, and then you have to play Macomb Dakota, who, like we said, is the biggest school in the state. They just beat Chippewa Valley, who two years ago was the Division One state champions. So, what is at stake for you guys in that game, and what kind of goals would you want to pull out from that game, especially with it being on the road? We're gonna go down there, and we are going to. Uh play our game we're going to play a Travis City Central football game and we're going to put ourselves to the test and see what we're made of obviously it's a great look at at what a deep playoff run would look like for us playing a team like Dakota the caliber that they that they play at you know, like you said we don't want to look too far ahead but we want to uh, be able to play with teams like that and and not be phased by it at all Ryan, we really appreciate you joining us here at the get around uh, for yet another great interview with one of our local athletes 
congratulations on a big win once again over Traverse City West, and we really look forward to seeing what the Trojans can do here in the next few weeks. Alrighty, thanks guys, I appreciate it. Another huge thank you to Ryan for joining us here at the Get Around. I know the Trojans are going to be something to look out for this year. Ryan gave us a little bit of insight there. I'm sure it won't be the last we hear from the Trojans on this podcast, so stick around and come back for more. That interview is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Jimmy John's freaky fresh, freaky fast. Jimmy John's freak, yeah. You know what that means? Time for chatter that matters. It's time for chatter that matters. It's time for chatter that matters. It's time for chatter that matters. Finally, somebody caught on. Now, the chatter that we're talking about today, what we're, what we're going to talk about is COVID in sports once again. I feel like this has kind of been a, a recurring theme in this segment just because, obviously, we're not getting away from this anytime soon. This is still a topic that needs to be discussed and discussed properly on this podcast, I think. We have our opinions on what's happened so far. James, you posted a column, got a little bit of feedback. We, we teased that here at the beginning of the episode, but I'm kind of going to set you guys up, and I'm going to let you kind of go at it. Uh, James, I mean, you, you noticed some things this, this past weekend at the games after your vacation with just COVID guidelines and, and what they're actually doing to kind of mitigate this or at least follow follow the guidelines. I th- I th- and, and, and Andrew, on the other hand, you, you've been in the behind-the-scenes part of this and seeing what, it, what the effect of not following these guidelines actually is. And have a little bit of more insider information as to how how this is actually spread. I know you said something to me earlier. I think you said it was like one out of ten has to do with uh, sports or football right now. I'm going to let you guys go a little bit further on that. I'll just kind of toss it over to you to start, Andrew. There was a lot of people who had concerns last week when the state came out and said, oh, there was 30 athletic you know, outbreaks in sports related to COVID. And nobody could find that information. You were doing some digging and trying to find stuff out. And you actually were able to figure out. A little bit more about it. So kind of tell us exactly what you found. You know, I asked the state official the same question, what are these 30 outbreaks? Um, I think that's what this the, my whole story on track started from. It was just kind of a simple question. I emailed him and said, hey, do you know if any of those 30 outbreaks are in the Traverse City area? And he didn't know where any of them were. It turns out that this bigger story, the state isn't really tracking or have any intents to track data on COVID in sports other than the fact that they're aware health and health departments are investigating them. Um, it's kind of a broken system going on where schools aren't really required to tell the students that a student in their class has to be positive for COVID. That's the job of the health departments if they think it's necessary. And that's caused a lot of tension. And that's caused a lot of concerns from parents where they're saying, well, we should know this regardless. It's our decision to send our students to class. It's our decisions on whether or not my kid leaves the house and enrolls in a virtual school, to be honest with you. And I went ahead and said, well, it's also the kid's decision if they want to play sports and what sport they play. And the state doesn't seem to have any desire to be transparent about the number of COVID cases in sports. So what did you find since they weren't able to be transparent? Well, I did find that there's a high school teacher in Kansas. I know you rip on me for always talking about Lawrence. Why Kansas, Andrew? But there's some good information here, so let's keep let's keep it going. Yeah, she started it. Well, this is the one time we'll give you a break. Yeah, this is legitimate sourcing from Kansas, not just talking about Kansas. There, she she's gotten a national attention for this, so I'm not the only one who's I've known about it. She's a teacher at Olathe West, a theater teacher at Olathe West. She created a Google form to allow parents and teachers to self-report COVID cases in sports. And this is all on a Google sheet. So this is literally something that could have taken 10 minutes for me, anyone, any one of us to do. A parent who, or whoever does it puts the high school, um, a little description of the case and any information related to it and a source out to a news article about it. And there's actually a record Eagle article on the spreadsheet. I'll tell you why in a second. Well, I did a search on that Google Sheet, and I found that 38 out of 148 COVID-19 cases in Michigan K-12 schools have been athletic-related. So 30 to 35% of them. Yeah, a third. Yeah. Well, and this isn't this, this list is hopefully inc- incomplete. It's only stuff that people have reported. It's only stuff the news has reported on. So there could be more, but the premise is the fact that... It's the data we have. It's the data we have. Yeah. And the premise is, and we, this does break it down by sport because this is what our uh, news outlets like us have reported on. 
they've asked the questions, they've done the reporting, they've filed FOIAs, they get that information. Going forward on that information, 17 out of the 148 cases in the spreadsheet have been related to football. And these could be coaches. These could is, be is, that, is that any higher proportion than any other sport? By far. Three in volleyball, four in band. And there was some a little thing going on in Portage Central where a couple of members of the band tested positive. So wait, band is more dangerous than volleyball. I mean, I mean, but that's not. We can't make that assumption. Yeah, that's not. Data. That's not. That's not the data. I, that's I not know. what it is. And that's see, saying it like that. But that's that's the issue. Yeah. Is that how people look at it? And that's how people look. At it. They go, oh well, this is one number. There's only one case here. No, and. Obviously, on the converse, we're trying to make the argument that having so many more for football will tell you that it's definitely a bigger spread. You're not going to sit here and scream, well, is banned the second most dangerous thing in, you know. No, I just in... thought it was interesting. Yeah, I know. That, I'm just saying. But it's just like that's banned. what people do. That's what people are going to do when they yeah. see these numbers are going to pull us out. But that's what I, I just want to say. Like, what, what Andrew's saying here is that there is legitimate cause for concern for coronavirus in high school kids' athletic scene. Like, it's happening Regardless if people don't want to think it's happening or not, it's happening. Regardless if state officials want to seek out whether or not it's happening. Or ignore it, yeah. Or ignore it. You got a little bit of flag. James, your opinion is trash, in case you didn't re- in case you didn't know. Splish splash, your opinion is trash. That's that it. Was the, that was the That's gift. it. Splish splash, your opinion is trash. Let's hear what your opinion That's was. Pro- Let's, by, I'm let our audible sure that viewers. That didn't read the column. Itself, let, let our audible but, viewers be the, uh, what is it? The judge and jury, if your opinion is trash, so go ahead and tell them why. I mean, I, why you wrote the column at the very least. Uh, I I just wrote it. It's just observational thing from going to two football games this weekend, and just noticing how things were different from one game to the other. How the things weren't consistent. The thing, the biggest thing that struck me was that the vast majority of the referees were not wearing masks, and the linesmen are literally standing one yard away from the players. There is a three-foot-wide white stripe that separates the linesman from the players on the sideline. So there's not enough distance there. And the apparently the officials bugged the MHSAA to, no, get, ex- to get exempted because they threatened to not re- not referee, and then there wouldn't be enough referees to have a football season. So the, re- so the MHSAA caved and exempted them from having to wear masks, which seems dumb. Frankly, I mean, it's easy. Like in the NFL, they're even doing it. Yeah, I wear a mask during during the whole game, and interviews afterwards. And I mean, I don't know. It's I, not hard. I struggled to so, understand that one. Yeah, I've, all the soccer games I've gone and covered this year, the soccer referees are wearing them the whole game, and they're running up and down the field. They're doing way more running than football referees do. I don't get that part at all. You know, there was, and then you know, the state puts out these guidelines. But there's no guidelines for enforcement, so people that are violating these guidelines and not wearing masks are not being asked to leave. Um, you know, it, and I will say that at the Glen Lake game, I didn't see a single person not wearing a mask in the crowd. Everybody was, is what you're saying. Everybody, in the, even when they were seated, it was, you know, it was very good. You know, the game at Thurlby on Saturday, there was quite a few people not wearing masks. A good number that were, and everything. St. Francis actually had a student section. Yeah, I remember way. I told you that. By the way, which was nice. Um, but, you know, a lot of people not wearing masks, and including people in leadership positions who you'd think would, would be. Yeah. So, I mean, it, there's a lot of mixed signals. There's a lot of, you know, I think, you know, there's no enforcement. Well, the thing with enforcement. And, and it's just kind of frustrating. You, you, brought, you bring up enforcement. There, I, I mean, we knew this from the start that there never, never was going to be any enforcement. And I, I hate to even put this out here on the podcast because, once again, I, I don't want anybody taking advantage of this and be like, you know, what are they going to do? Kick me out of my son's basketball game? Hopefully. Honestly. Hopefully they do. Hopefully. If, if, you, can't, if you can't if you can't be – if you got, have to be that guy who doesn't have to wear – who doesn't want to wear a mask or refuses to wear a mask when everybody else is literally trying – at the very least, dude. Like, I'm not, this isn't about being a sheep or something. We're talking about like everybody like sacrificing a little bit to make sure that these kids can still play sports. Mm-hmm. If you just can't wear a mask, there, oh, man, it just irritates me the most because sports is supposed to be the one thing that's not political. It's the one thing where people can get along with, or it's where you bring unliked minds together and you play a game when you don't have to talk about politics or your beliefs or anything regarding that. It just, just seems like that's what's happening here. Is that 
pretty much exactly what's happening. That's what's the only thing that matters is politics and sports come second. Yeah. I, I just But I don't want to get into politics, but it's mm-hmm. just wear a mask, man. Yeah. Just wear a mask. The one thing is enforcement wise, I'll just bring this up before we, we get out of this segment here. I covered a Trump rally and there were people wearing Make America Great Again masks. Do it. Just I mean, wear do it. Do it. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm not gonna judge you. Right. I've seen those too and I'm like, hey, great. No, it does, it, no just in general. The thing about enforcement, and this is where it, it falls it falls to the wayside, is I remember when I first started covering coronavirus in April, and they made the basically lockdown mandate, where you, you aren't allowed to drive up north, right? You're not allowed to, you know, go to the store. Like, you, like, like only essential only. Like, you shouldn't be driving around doing this, or you're not supposed to be at the park. Like, I remember talking to, like, the prosecuting attorneys and, like, the police and everything, they're like, we're not. I mean, there's no way for us to enforce this. We're not enforcing this. Yeah, it's a law, but I feel like that set the precedent for what everybody thinks they can get away with when it comes to this. When they go, oh, well, you know, the, yeah, it's there. It's a guideline, but no one's going to enforce it. So what's the difference? And the only guidance I have seen from the MHSAA, or at least from from what I've heard that they've given the guidance to coaches is that and administrators is that administrators are literally supposed to just like walk out to midfield of that game and stop it. They did right? in Utah. But uh, I'm just saying. This is what they're supposed to do to enforce these games or enforce these rules. Is literally like you say, you know, St. Francis of the Sioux or whatever. None of them, whatever. What any two teams? Give them any two teams. They show up to the football game. One has a mask. One has the spit guards. One doesn't do anything whatsoever. Yeah. It players, is the players were the players did a pretty good job. I'm just Sioux had the spit. The Sioux had, well, actually, St. Francis. A lot of the St. Francis players had the spit guards too, and and the, and the Sioux did. Um, so the players have been doing a really good well, job. Well, what, of, what I'm of saying this, is that I, I think in general, the only but, type of guidance that they've given these athletic directors is that they're supposed to stop games and make a team who isn't wearing masks forfeit the game if they are not following the rules. They're supposed to stop at mid-play, mm-hmm. in, in between, in between, whatever. It's third down and nine, and the and the the school athletic director is supposed to walk out on the field and stop the game. It's never going to happen. Not happen. It's no. never going to happen. No athletic director. It, trust me. If it came down to them getting fired or not, yes. But they are much more willing to save face with everybody in their community than they're not going to stop and make somebody forfeit a football game. It's just not going to happen. But they, what they do need to do is they need to enforce it everywhere else. All parents need to have them on. The referees, yeah. once again, need to have uh, – I don't know. I talked to some referees last week, and once again, they were not very happy. They were ready to ro- basically walk out of the door um, if they have to wear masks as well. So I can see that. I don't get why. It, it's just phys- – it's, it's, it's this whole thing – over people physically exerting themselves with a cloth on the face. And there's, I think, at least with the referees. That's it. Then wear the face shield. That's at, it. At least with the referees, the reason why the MHSA did is they already had a referee shortage. You got to convince them to stay because these are the guys you have, and if they're not going to work, they're not going to work. I just put my mask on, and while you'll be able to tell, probably via te- like via voice here, that is does not sound quite the same. It doesn't roll off the tongue as pretty. I don't sound as, like... You know that, and, and he looks better now. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know that it is technically, if you, depending on what you put on, harder, harder to breathe with a mask on your face, right? But the only thing, and I keep on going back to this, and I hate to do it, every doctor I've talked to, and every piece of data that I've actually seen, says that it does not decrease the oxygen, it does not increase buildup of CO two. It, it it actually is not harming anybody whatsoever. Yeah, and, and it, that's it. That, that that's just the bottom line. Listen, certain certain specific cases, I understand it's going to happen. People with asthma, people with bad breathing problems, there's going to be those kids and who I, cannot do it, and I get it. And I don't think that the what's the current guidance right now where kids with asthma uh, does, don't have an exemption to wearing masks, and we're not going to, we're just going to recommend that you don't play sports. I don't think that's the correct answer out there right now. It, I, it seemed like they kind of caved and said that we're not going to even think about this. Everyone wear mask. Yeah. And there's just a lot of bad info out there, too. Yeah. I had one person tell me on Twitter that masks weren't required outside. That if you were outside, you didn't have to wear a mask. Oh, like, are oh, you saying, like, at an outdoor sporting event? Yeah, just outdoor in general. Oh. And I, I literally said, oh, so the virus just doesn't exist outdoors? I mean, doesn't change the subject. But <laughs> I, I just... I know, I know, I know that ba- there's a lot of bad info out there. Yeah, and I know that it's we sit been here. The problem with this whole pandemic. And but shot. in general, it should not be. This is it. Ready? Even us talking about this right now, this should not be a matter of opinion. Okay, this is not a matter of opinion. If a mask is doing anything for anybody anymore, 
right? Hmm. The, the thing is, is that it is literally the one thing that needs to happen to keep this all rolling. I, I think I said this six months ago. All you got to do is put up. It's like the one thing that we have to do to keep this all rolling. We are just begging that you do it correctly and actually do it. So that's the chatter that matters. Sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's freaks about fresh meat, bread, and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak, yeah. Let's go ahead and get into a bit more exciting part of the episode, the Hall of Fame. I feel as if this is going to be tough and hard all this, or tough and easy all at the same time, but that's just because I have my mom nomination. And it's the first week of football, so you know we had some crazy stat lines. Gentlemen, who wants to go first? Yeah, I got to do Cole Spencer from Misick, 11 for 218, four receiving touchdowns and 14 tackles. Um, we say he's one of the fastest guys in the region, and uh, hey, maybe we have to have a speedster in the Hall of Fame. James? Okay, I'm going to put up Gaylord St. Mary linebacker Ian Cool. Cool last name. Ian Cool guy, huh? Mm-hmm. So his stat line on defense was seven tackles, five tackles for loss, four sacks, a blocked punt, and a fumble recovery. Okay. In one game. Man, I would love to have him as my IDP in fantasy. <laughs> Talk about a boatload of points. Now, I'm going to put up my nomination, who I kind of talked about earlier. And I'm going to put Josh Burnham from Traverse City Central. Who's he? Had six first-half touchdowns. Yeah, I've not heard of this kid before. Who are you talking had about? Had a receiving touchdown, a rushing <laughs> touchdown, and four passing touchdowns. Obviously, we talked about him enough earlier, so I won't go any further. Offers? What are you guys thinking? Who are we voting for? Is he, like, decent? Decent. Actually, the other kid that I was thinking about, that I wanted to put up, if, if we just mentioned him really quick, was Marcus Rystack from Traverse City Christian. Um, they played in a tournament in Alpena, so against mostly Class A and B teams, and uh, had three shutouts all three games. Against uh, Taiwas, he had four assists, and then uh, against Alpena, I believe it was, mm-hmm. he scored four goals in that game. I mean, that's pretty impressive. And, for the, and for the Sabres to go over there and win yeah. a Class A tournament. All three shutouts, too. Ty West, Sheboygan, and, and Alpina. All right. We got to vote. That's the big thing. Got to vote. <laughs> Six touchdowns in the biggest high school game of the he year. Had, he, had, he had well over 200 yards passing. Yeah. Well well over, uh, you know, I think it was I, – I couldn't mark them all, but I, I think he had eight tackles. Yeah. No sacks or anything like that, but still. Yeah. Is that what we're going with? He's, he's got my vote, even though I don't know who this kid is. <laughs> I don't know who this guy is, but he's in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Congratulations <laughs> to Josh Burnham, uh, the latest member of the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. That brought to you by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freaky yeah. So we got the trifecta, gentlemen. We're not going to stick around too long. We're already running long. So we're going to bring up our trifecta, which has to do with fantasy football once again. It was a... Bad week for a lot of fantasy football owners. We had just an incredible amount of superstar talent, first round draft pick material go down for basically the entire season. We, I just just to name a couple: uh, Saquon Barkley, Nick Bosa, Christian McCaffrey, Cortland Sutton, Michael Thomas, Devonte Adams. Devonte Adams. Right, the list keeps going. A bunch of people got seriously injured. And yes, yeah, just they're gone. ACLs, basically, yeah, and, basically all yeah. the ACLs popped this weekend. So I wanted to ask a question: which which fantasy injury do you guys think, or which injury do you think is the biggest detriment to the team, to their team? Obviously, there's a couple guys on offense there, but when you look at like somebody like Nick Bosa, dude, like yeah, I think it, I think it's Saquon and and Bosa are the two biggest as far as the NFL in general. Fantasy football, Bosa, you know, unless you play individual yeah, defensive players. K- K- Christian Bosa's, McCaffrey's only going to be out for a few yeah. weeks. Christian McCaffrey's going to be out four to six weeks, supposedly. But here's the thing. If you pick him, but, you're – But Carolina was not going to be a team good, of significance yeah. anyway. If you picked Christian McCaffrey, you usually – you probably had the first pick in your draft. Yeah. And you weren't picking for at least – Yeah, 20 more 20. picks. 20. Same thing with Saquon. You were picking second. Yeah. And not picking again for a long time. Yeah. So your team is probably a little thin. Yeah. I had the number one pick in two – leagues out of nine i guess here's what i'm gonna say McCaffrey. go to the waivers yeah you have to you gotta pick up mike davis <laughs> you have to run and get mike davis and run and get Dion lewis whoever mckinnon is uh he's on my bench the last couple jared mckinnon, jared mckinnon. Yeah. yeah 49ers he's not bad no but uh I, okay i guess i gotta ask this question it's like i only want to keep this for another minute or two do you remember a certain injury in fantasy football that really screwed your team that was just like oh well Mail it in. Um, I mean, I've had 
I have a tendency to draft players who are recovering from injuries because I can get a deal on them. So I've had that happen to me a lot. I have had one time though where I had a dra- I had an injury really help my team, and that's this. I'm was, sure that's had, that's probably had more than this, it's hurt. This it. was year. I mean, one of my own players getting hurt. Oh, like I had drafted uh, Kevin Cobb. Remember when he was supposed to be like the hot shot young quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I had drafted him, and he gets hurt. So I pick up his backup, who's Michael Vick, and then Vick has one of the seasons of his career. And him and me getting Arian Foster like in the sixth or seventh round. God, I forgot about Arian when Foster. When he had that amazing like almost two thousand yards in Houston. Season. Yeah, uh, yeah, those two pretty much won me that league. Yeah, I I, re- I just remember I always go back. I just remember having like all of my marbles in Andrew Luck's basket uh, when his shoulder went out. I did draft him. I had all. I he was a keeper. Yeah, he was a keeper the year that his shoulder went out in the preseason. I just like, well, I have to keep him now. And then the next year came around, and I was like, he's coming back, baby. We're going to be good. And then he retired. And I had him as my keeper. So thank God he retired in, like, February or January or whatever it was. It was like – change it. Yeah, I still had time to change it by the beginning of the next year. But he retired on me after the injury, and he already screwed me. I did, have, I did have Lev Bell as my keeper in, one, in a league one year, and, uh, and then he held out. Yeah, I didn't, so I didn't, have, the time, I I didn't have the time to change it because I'm like, oh, he's not serious. He's not going to really hold out for yeah, the season. Yeah, even and if he does, he, he only do it for three, days, three games or something. Yep, yeah. no. And then he did. Well, yeah. we're going to go ahead and hold out the rest of this episode and hold out on you until episode 143 of the Get Around. As Le'Veon Bell once said, Peace, Pittsburgh.